Good morning. Good morning. Let's see, where to begin? Ah, yes, prayer. Okay, let's pray. Lord, it was so good to have that time of worshiping. It was, it was so good to do that collectively. I really appreciate it and needed it. So I ask you now, Lord, to come and abide with us as we uh, look into more than just your word. We want to look into your heart. So just come and, and just come and abide with us here now. In Jesus' name. Uh, it's kind of interesting to me that a couple of the scriptures that Liz referred to um, earlier, that's odd, no, iPad's not doing right, but uh, <laughs> are, 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 are some I'm using today, I mean, real, I'm a, I think I'm really only using a couple, but um, so it's... Uh, I thought that was really good. Um, so let's start with one that Liz mentioned, and that is, it's in uh, John four twenty four, and this is the King James Version, and they don't read much differently. This is one that's translated about the same in all of them, but it's, uh, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so, okay, that sounds great. As long as we have some idea of what it means by spirit and truth. I mean, in spirit, does that mean like uh, with enthusiasm? Like, you know, those of us who are football fans, there was some spirit yesterday, up and down. And, um, or does it mean... Um, with you know like a you know a lot of passion or whatever it is and truth spirit and in truth but uh and and i'm not going to go into a greek word study right now but um the idea of the spirit here is essentially um our fundamental soul pneuma pneumos and so when we say we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth, and I don't remember the Greek word that was used here for truth, but basically um, truth means reality. And I don't know what it is, but that is something that I, I, the more I think about it and the more I mention it to other people, the more... I mean, it's still kind of a shock because the idea of, um, I mean, by reality, I mean what is. I don't just mean physical reality. I don't mean just the earth and the planets and stuff. I mean the way things actually are. And that's a big part of where we're going so, 
if we are going to worship him in spirit and in truth, then the idea of spirit is, is the real me speaking in reality. And we get through, we get to reality through honesty. And I am not here to condemn Christians or the church. I'm not, that's not my goal. My goal, though, is for us to understand what it is we're doing. So if we talk about that we're going to worship God in spirit and in truth, first of all, we kind of have to know who we are. And we have to be honest. Because there's a lot of stuff we believe that's just not so. And I don't mean, like, I'm not talking about just doctrine and things like that, but I, I do remember, and, and I've, I've never forgotten this, because I think the very first year I was teaching, and that was over 40 years ago, um, that I remember having a, a, a class, and we were writing an essay, and I remember saying, okay, we're going to order this essay in order of importance. So what I want you to do is I want you to get your paper out and I want you to write, you know, what, what's the most important thing and what's the next important thing and the next important thing. You know, and I had like, it was more than three, probably four or five. And I said, and that's, you know, we're going to write it in that order. And it was just a, you know, it was just a composition exercise and, uh, we did other things like spatial, like walking into a room and describe, you know, whatever. It's just different things. But this was kind of eye-opening because they all said virtually the same thing. And I don't even have to tell you what it is. I mean, this is a bunch of ninth graders. And, you know, number one was, no, this is a Christian school too, right? Number one on the list was, I'm, I'm asking, I'm just God, of course, right? Number two. Well, that would be included in number one. Okay, number two was family. Number three was friends. And then number four or five, you know, we'd kind of get mixed up. But now self came down there at the very bottom. And I looked at that. I mean, they were writing essays on this. And I'm going, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. Um, and somewhere along the way, you know, I was reading, you know, way, way, way back, I was reading, um, you know, when Jesus said, um, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, so... Oh, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I don't know how much money ninth graders have got, more than they used to have, I know that, but the idea of, um, you know, disposable income and stuff, how much of that do you give to God? How much of that do you use to help your family? You know, how much of this do you, you know, friends and so forth, and then how much do you spend on yourself? Because it's really about the other way around. 
And I'm not trying to be critical of the priorities. I'm just saying that we, are, or we answer a lot of these things according to what we think people expect us to say. We all do that. I do that. I don't want to, mean to, whatever, but it's really the other way around. Me, then my friends, you know, and probably then my family, you know, then, you know, I guess God. I mean, I'm just saying, if we're going to deal, if we're going to worship in spirit and truth, it doesn't mean we have to go tell everybody this, but it does mean that we need to take a look and go, what really are my priorities? What really is, you know, motivates me? I know what I should be doing. It's not what I'm doing. You know, I mean, I, I, I understand that. So I'm not being, I'm not trying to be judgmental of anybody. But, you know, I mean, the idea of starting off with understanding what the truth is or trying to come as, as you know, as good an understanding as you can and then work from there instead of building everything on a false foundation. I just think that's, that's a good move, and I think that's what's in that scripture, that we worship God in spirit and in truth. Um, now, somewhere years ago, I was, uh, I was reading about, about um, revivals in Africa, in sub-Saharan Africa, Christian revivals in sub-Saharan Africa. And, of course, these are, and the biggest single group were uh, Anglicans. And so, in other words, there, there are, I mean, they've got black Ang Anglican bishops going to international, uh, I mean, you know what I'm saying, the, the, whatever they call that. The, we have the Episcopalians in America they separated from the Church of England. You know, we had some conflict back in the late 1700s where we got our independence, you know, and there were a few differences of opinion. Um, but it's still all use the same book of prayer, have the same confession. That's, what, that's the word I was looking for, the Anglican confession. And uh, so those, all those are, I mean, but the, the church has and and the church in England has seen spurts of growth usually because of youth revivals but other than that just the regular going to church thing you know whatever that is dwindled to next to nothing but whatever this article was it came up on my it was on the internet and I remember looking at it, and it was talking about the litany for something they were doing. You know, it was talking about the litany of worship and essential, the essential litany of a worship service. And I ran across this more than, I mean, you know, a few other times, and they weren't all in the Anglican thing. So I just want to um, mention those that they, are, they involve 
struggle, assurance, and then celebration. Struggle, assurance, celebration. So that ideally the worship service should encompass all of those. And when I say worship service, we mean the music and the message and all the other things that go along with it. And one of the reasons I say litany is a litany is organized um, so that it, I mean, it, it's, it's thought out beforehand and it's applied regularly and consistently. Um, so the idea here is that that if we take that, and then I'm going to take another experience I had many years ago that I've never gotten over, and that was reading Psalm 13. And anybody who knows me knows that I will, you know, that I was very taken with this psalm. Um, so, it's interesting that you can break this psalm down into those same three components. Um, now, I, re I mean, the one, the time that it really, really, really punched me, because <laughs> that's what it did, was in the uh, the Message Bible, and that was uh, a, a translation that was d done by Eugene Peterson. Um, he died a couple of years ago, but he's, you know, I mean, I think that was a very, uh, I mean, the impact that translation had on a lot of people was very, very profound. And I think the reason it was profound is because um, a lot of it didn't sound like a Bible. And what he did is he took what's in the Bible. Now, he, this is a translation, not a paraphrase. He didn't just take, you know, like say, uh, look at a, read uh, Psalm 13 in King James or New American Standard or NIV or something and then make it cool. He essentially took the original Hebrew, translated, and he had, I don't know, about 18 or 20 people that he worked with, he ran this stuff by, he tried to get the best understanding of it that he could, and he did the same thing in the New Testament with Greek. So, here's the thing, when we get to Psalm 13, and if you, you know, you're reading it, and uh, it's a Psalm of David, um, it says in the, at the header of it, heading of it, it is a song of David, and with directions to the choir master or something like that. Um, and I read it in Peterson's translation, <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, I'm going to read you the King James first. So, um, how long will thou forget me, O Lord? Well, that sounds very King James, doesn't it? Yes. Forever? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I really don't remember that. 
forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Wow. But if you read it in the Message Bible, it goes like this. How long, long enough, God. <laughs> He's taking it out of the rhetorical. Long enough, God, you've ignored me long enough. I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Well, I mean, you know, in King James it says, you, you know, how long will you hide your face from me? And he's just saying, I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Long enough I've carried this ton of trouble. Lived with a stomach full of pain. Long enough my arrogant enemies have looked down their noses at me. Take a good look at me, God, my God. I want to look life in the eye. I want to look life in the eye. So no enemy can get the best of me or laugh when I fall on my face. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. That, those four verses, first four verses of Psalm 13, sound like struggle to me. Right? And not just struggle, but being honest in struggle. I remember uh, mentioning this to a good friend, uh, and this was probably 20 years ago. And I said, uh, so can you imagine praying that? I said, that's what this is. It's a prayer. Either that or, it says with instructions to the choir master, I guess they're going to sing it in church. I mean, you know, that was hard to imagine, but, you know, but I said, could you imagine just praying this? He said, I wouldn't dare. He said, I, I'd, I'd be afraid God would strike me dead. Um, but in any case, that's just being honest. Unless you've never felt that way. Maybe you've never felt that way. Maybe you've lived a charmed life. Well, I'm willing to bet, though, that you felt that way, and probably more than once. So, just coming out and saying it, and I remember, I remember actually uh, I was going through a really hard time, and I remember I remember just really letting God have it. I was just willing to risk whatever, and I just said, "This is not right. This is not fair. This is not." You know, when I, I looked at it, it says, and I, you know, I'm sorry, I cannot be okay with this. Now, that was probably a real unchristian attitude, but guess what? 
It was just me talking to God. And it was no secret to him that that's how I felt. All right? Now it's no secret to you. So, you know, and I was just really letting go. I was driving at the time. And I remember he said, well, what do you want? And I just, I mean, I, this is all written down in my journal. I've got, I've got it. You know, he said, what do you want? I want this, I want this, I want this, and I want this. And he said, those are good things to want. He didn't say he's going to give them to me. He just said, oh, those are good things to want. Um, but, I mean, I don't think, I wouldn't have gotten there. I don't, honestly, unless I had, honestly, had done what I did. Because it was all so, I don't want to call it fake, because there's a lot of stuff we do that doesn't feel genuine or is not genuine. I can't go around expressing my feelings all the time. I can't go around being completely open and vulnerable. I certainly can't do it as a school teacher. You know, I mean, there are just a lot of times when I've got to hold it together and, you know, get through something. Or you, if you're a leader and you have responsibilities and you have other people looking to, uh, looking to you for an example or for morale or something like that, you don't just go around showing every feeling that you've got. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when it's you and God... There just needs to be spirit and truth. And if we start off, and I don't say we have to do this every time, but I'm just saying when, we, when it comes up, then we need to go, how long, or long enough, God, I've looked at the back of your head long enough. In fact, what I want to get to a place where I can look I, want, I can look life in the eye. Now, looking anything in the eye, I mean, that is, a, that is kind of an idiom in more than one language for being honest, looking at reality. I want to look life in the eye. So we get down there to the first four verses, and that's... Um, and I notice that that takes... Four verses, and that means we got two left. So let's go to verse five. You may have five and six. That's okay. So, uh, so five is where we get to assurance. I've thrown myself headlong into your arms. I'm celebrating your rescue. Now, in the King James, it says, but I have trusted in, in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Now, that's a big change. And I remember thinking for a long time that from the first four verses down to verse five, you know, that may have been an extended period of time. I don't know. I mean, something happened. But I also know that a lot of times we get a better perspective on things when we just let it out, when we let God know how dissatisfied we are. Now, 
can I take Psalm 13 and turn that into something that God has really not got a clue what's going on and I had to fill him in? I mean, do you think that's theologically sound? I don't. This is not about informing God. This is about purging me. This is about getting me into a place of honesty with God. And that's the cool thing about it because we can trust Him. Because He's not looking for weapons to use against us. He's not looking for things that He can use to our disadvantage. He's, he's, you're just, I mean, he already knew that. And now I'm being honest with myself. I'm being honest with God, but I'm mostly being honest with myself because he already knew that stuff. So then, but what is it, what happens here? It may well be that all of that did happen in pretty quick succession. Because a lot of times after it, after that, outburst after that thing you know after that uh, catharsis or whatever it was there's a there there's a then the memory starts to come back and then then you start thinking about and you start remembering all those times that he came through so You know, I mean, I wrote down here in the margin, I've got five and six. I've thrown myself headlong into your arms. I'm celebrating your rescue. And then I wrote in the, in the margin, why? And I think, things only become real if we acknowledge the struggle. And that the things God does are real. We can't... I mean, I got a kind of a... Well, I've got a relationship with miracles, works of wonder, and so forth. I don't deny them, and I don't affirm them because I don't know. I wasn't there. Now, to me, the things that Jesus did, there were lots of witnesses, and those I absolutely believe. There are things where people I know prayed for people to get healed or, or to, you know, I mean, for real things, and they happened. Those I know. I remember we had a, a, a kinship at our house one time, and everybody there, I think we had like, I'm going to say, Three couples and a couple of, you know, that didn't have spouses. We were all there, and it was April, because I remember uh, that by the next time we met would be April 15th, and that's tax day or there, thereabouts. And, you know, it was just like, what? Well, anyway, one of, the, one of the couples says, we really need your prayers because 
we have got to come up with X number of thousand dollars by next week for taxes. And then, so we, you know, that's hard. Because that means something definite is going to ha have to happen. And so we said, okay, well, let's just... So everybody ended up going around the room and, 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 and saying, pray for me because I've got so-and-so. And again, I've got that in a journal at home. I got them all listed. And by the next week, every one of those prayers had been answered. So I'm not, you know, so I'm not saying, I'm not trying to discount those kind of things at all. I just know that there are some who will hear about, um, you know, a healing or, a, you know, a, a miraculous thing. And I've also been in groups where we have, where there are people who are trained in chiropractic medicine. And I'm a big believer in chiropractors, so don't get me wrong. But, but they would, you know, do some like chiropractic tricks, you know, I mean, you know, or techniques, sorry, didn't mean to call them tricks, but they were kind of tricky, and um, I mean, I, there, I just know that there are some things that some people will do to try to jumpstart a miracle or something, and then there are things that are genuinely miraculous, there are things that... Um, you know, I, I could go, I could, I could, I could make a list. There are a plenty of things that I know that are truly works that God had performed and are real. I'm not necessarily, for my own purposes, going to believe they're real without having some reason to do that. I mean, personal credibility of the person who's telling me, you know what I'm saying, history with them and all that kind of thing. Um, Back when, uh, back when I was a very young Christian, my, I was going to say my brother-in-law. He wasn't even my brother-in-law at the time. Uh, but he and I were, we, most people don't know this, but, but Don Rakestraw and I invented contemporary Christian music. <laughs> Insofar as we do. And we thought we did, really. But we would be everywhere. We were, I remember it was like one Sunday, we were uh, Sunday morning service at uh, Atala Methodist Church. And in that evening or one day that week, we were at a tent meeting on South 11th Street. I mean, we went a anywhere that, anywhere anybody would have us. So we saw a little bit of everything. And... I, some of that, again, I, you know, I, I wish it were all true. Perhaps it was. But I don't know. I just don't know. What I do know are things that I have found to be real. The things that I have experienced, things that people close to me have experienced, things that, you know, those, okay, the reason I say that about they need to be real is if they're not real, then they don't really build my confidence. 
So the idea is that there is a history with God where he has come through in, you know, tangible ways with these problems means I have a history that I can go back and trust. So I can take that assurance. Now, it's, notice it's assurance. It's not guarantee. It's assurance because the difference between assurance and guarantee is guarantee means I expect to get what I want, and there is no guarantee of that. However, I can look back with assurance as to the nature of God. What can I expect him to do? And then finally, in the last verse, uh, I'm singing at the top of my lungs. I'm so full of answered prayers. Now, that was pretty quick, but whether that was time-lapsed or, you know, and King James says, I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. So, notice, and, and that is celebration. Um, so, essentially, the idea is in a, you know, worship experience, we deal with the struggle. Okay, we deal with it as honestly as we can. We proclaim our assurance in the things that God has already done. And a, a lot of that we can get from the scriptures. Because we have a cloud of witnesses. We have really thousands of experiences written down that we can refer to. That's history. And then we have celebration. Because when we, and I think we can start to celebrate when we see, okay, he's, he may not do exactly what I want him to, but he's, it's going to be okay. And, you know, and then when he has answered, and I'll just tell you that nine times out of ten, rough estimate, it's never what I expected. Also, like nine times out of ten, it took way longer than necessary, in my opinion. But apparently not in his. So, okay, I can look back on this and I can go, I get it. So that's still, that's still one of my favorite psalms. And it's, it's a favorite not because it, it seems to have a, you know, it, it, not the shock appeal, but the honesty of it. And then the fact that it ends up in celebration. So we have struggle, assurance, celebration. Now, each of these kind of builds on the others. And we can't stay in the one we like the best. As much as I would love to do that. We, it's a, it's a process and sooner or later we have to go start over again. But again, I guess that's why Paul could say uh, we rejoice in our 
tribulations, our struggles. This in Romans 5. Because we know what's going to come from that. So if you want to get to a place of hope through that process, you have to, you, you got, it's going to start with, a, with, with trouble. So they, they arrived at a place where he could rejoice in that. Maybe someday, but it's okay with me if I don't get there. But, you know, the, I do understand that it, that's where it starts. And, you know, like I was saying that my friend that I shared this with, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's died since then, and I, you know, but we talked about it, and, um, and he was just saying, I couldn't do that. I mean, this is a good Christian guy, and he says, he, I couldn't do that. I believe God would strike me down. I said, this is the Bible. Anyway, it just reminds me of a, a quote, and I have to say this is more of a paraphrase. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know if y'all know Oswald Chambers, but you know his his utmost for uh, my utmost for his highest is you know one of the most famous devotional books in the world, and uh, I've used it off and on for years. But he had one little thing that was, and actually it wasn't in that, it was, uh, it was in another book, but it says, and I'm just, again, this is my paraphrase. It's pretty close to what he said. I just couldn't find the exact one. Do not reprimand a believer who, in his honesty, appears blasphemous. He may well be experiencing more of God than you have ever known. And I would imagine that if we heard somebody today get up here and, you know, do the reading or, you know, during, you know, church service or something and starts off with, well, I've had enough of this, God. I am really tired of looking at the back of your head. You remember me? You know, aren't we supposed to be on the same side? And now my enemies are laughing at me? I haven't seen that yet, and I'm not holding my breath. So. But in any case, that would might look like blasphemy. It certainly would look like it's in poor taste. Um, in any case, we have struggle. Assurance and celebration. And those are the things that come out of this honest relationship with God. Where we worship him in spirit and in truth. So let's pray. Lord, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. When we encounter these struggles, help us to be honest with you in them. And with ourselves. And we just trust you for the history that we have with you. That you would assure us of your victory. 
and we will celebrate that. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.